You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020, hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Rabble Media. Women on the Road was created to highlight women and non-binary stories, a strength in community, while navigating our changing world from the road. Oregon State University has resources to keep those values close to you and your wheels with their eCampus learning. Oregon State eCampus is ranked number five in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. And as leaders in distance learning, Oregon State eCampus encourages students to spend time outside the classroom, discovering new ways to positively impact their communities and create lasting change. Your passions or interests can be your next career. And Oregon State eCampus is the perfect place to start exploring with varying programs, including foreign languages, environmental sciences, even an MBA to select from. All programs are developed by the same faculty who teach on campus, but accessible anywhere in the world. There's no wrong way to get started. So to learn how Oregon State eCampus can help you take nationally ranked university learning with you anywhere, visit ecampus.oregonstate.edu road and find the program that's right for you. That's ecampus.oregonstate.edu road. Before we get started, this episode contains some swearing, which we don't bleep. I'm Laura Borshevsky, and you're listening to Women on the Road, a podcast to bring you closer to some of the honest experiences that life on the road has to offer from the perspective of women who've lived them firsthand. And this episode is unlike any other we've ever aired, because it's the final one in this series. You know we don't sugarcoat things on the show, so we'll keep this straightforward. This is the last episode of Women on the Road as you know it. You've hopefully heard by now, but we are incredibly excited and honored that Naomi Grevenberg and her team at Diversify Van Life will be helping to evolve the podcast you hear on this channel moving forward, with a total reboot taking place in October under a new name, Nomads at the Intersections. And while during a year where constants feel especially important, and in light of the fact that this change might signify one more thing that hasn't remained as is, I want to remind you that this community of road travelers isn't going anywhere. We're all still here, and we're all still connected. This is a moment that we as a community are choosing to evolve by listening to and following those who have been demonstrating immense leadership in the road travel community. It doesn't mean that what this community has built is gone. Instead, I encourage you to look at this as our community being a solid foundation and an agile group of folks who are willing to continue expanding what it means to take part in dismantling the things that make road travel less safe and less inclusive. We hope you'll be a part of all of this as we move forward together and see what it looks like to evolve this community into something even more beautiful than it already is. In this episode, Naomi and I are going to talk about what this transition means to each of us, from our respective places in both stepping into and stepping out of the host position for this community, as well as how we hope to see you take part in where we're going next. Naomi starts us off by reintroducing herself. We interviewed her a couple of summers back, but as you'll hear, a lot has changed since then. I am Naomi, the creator and storyteller behind Irito Aurora on Instagram. I'm also the founder of Diversify Van Life, a community of individuals carving out a safe space for representation of Black, Indigenous, Asians, Latinx, and other people of color, as well as other underrepresented people within the nomadic community. I'm also very excited to say that I am the host of the brand new podcast, Nomads at the Intersections, 
On Nomads at the Intersections, we will shift the narrative and navigate the challenges, journeys, and inspirations of the modern nomadic movement while diving deep into the stories of underrepresented voices. Um, looking forward to the conversations ahead and the opportunity to share it with everyone. Oh my gosh, me too. Every time we talk about Nomads at the Intersections or I see you write anything about it or talk about it, I just can't wait to be a listener. This is a conversation that just so needs to be had, like a series of conversations that so needs to be had. And I'm just so glad that you're going to be helping to lead those. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. The, the whole process is just so powerful for me. So I'm excited for all the conversations I'll be able to have with everyone. Same. And we had you on the show on Women on the Road a couple of summers ago. It was just about two years now, almost to the month, I think. And I know that a lot has changed since then. And so I, it's a big question to ask, but I'm curious to know how have things really changed for you personally since that time and how has everything shifted? Well, 2020, you know, am I right? <laughs> I feel like a, a lot has changed since then. I think the last time we spoke, I was still adapting to living low waste on the road. And to be honest, it's been a very, very long and interesting journey because living sustainably in a lifestyle of constant movement comes with its own challenges. And with COVID, I feel like it's become so much more difficult to maintain that low waste lifestyle on the road. My partner and I, we've been doing our best. But if I'm being honest, we haven't really been plastic-free these past few months. It's just been really hard to focus on things like that when you're worried about your health and just trying to figure things out day by day. Our focus has shifted more to minimizing our interactions in public spaces. Though sustainability and lowest living is still a priority for me, over the past couple of years uh, living this lifestyle, I've really come to realize and recognize a lot of issues within these movements. The zero waste movement is often pretty exclusive and elitist, and it centers around like expensive alternatives to wasteful products and packaging, yet ignoring issues facing low-income communities. And on social media, you know, that's combined with a lot of bullying and shaming of the individuals who are unable to live up to these high standards, and that's a problem. For me, since recognizing these things, I've shifted my advocacy to align more with intersectionality, not just with the environmental movement, but within the nomadic movement as well. Yeah, wow. I so appreciate you sharing that, especially in light of, like you said, 2020 being the catalyst for like all of these really big, large systemic, hopefully changes, but at least a recognition that things are really broken. We do reflect on like all of our individual like behaviors and habits and also things that we've been striving for, right? And I, I've really appreciated, even when we had our interview a couple years ago, I remember you talking about how low waste can be accessible if you think about it in a certain way and you're not looking at it through like the very prescriptive lens of you have to have these certain things in order to be low waste. And I appreciate just how much you've continued to evolve that messaging and the thought leadership that you've had around it. It's been really impactful for me as someone who's been both on and off the road during the last two years. So I just want to say thank you for that. Of course. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. And I know that something else that has changed a lot in the last couple of years, and especially in the last year, year and a half, has been the evolution of Diversify Van Life. What was the catalyst for you starting Diversify Van Life? 
Well, I think there were a lot of factors leading up to the creation of Diversify Van Life, to be honest. For a long time, I was one of the only black women represented in the mainstream van life media. All the stories that I would see and hear were from the white, cis, straight, able-bodied perspective. And it took me a while to really realize how this was affecting me. I think it all came to a head when I started attending a lot of the van life events and meetup where I would look around and see no one that looked like me. Community discussions and campfire chats were dominated by you know, the privileged many that were there. Um, my story and my experiences were not represented at all. Then I remember at one meetup, I was sitting at the campfire and another female van lifer turned to me and asked, how does it feel to be the face of diversity for the van life movement? Laura, I almost shattered into pieces. The part that hit me deep was the fact that she thought she was giving me a compliment. It's like, of course van life is diverse. Look, we've got a black person. And the thing about it is that no matter what lifestyle you live, these are the types of issues that follow black people, and not just only black people, all people of color, wherever we go. I've experienced tokenism all of my life. But what really got me was the denial that anything like this could exist within the van life community. And when I started speaking up on the issue, the backlash was real. Many of the so-called woke leaders in the community lashed out claiming, fan life is already inclusive and welcoming. We don't see color. The most ridiculous was, well, black people just don't do van life. I mean, the lack of accountability and acknowledgement of these unconscious biases when brought to their attention is what makes van life unsafe for BIPOCs. Then I remember at another event I attended, I sat in on a community discussion that was dominated by two white men in the community. I remember one of them offering advice to younger van lifers that if you walk upright in the world, good things will happen to you. <laughs> and I'm sitting across the room thinking, how the fuck can you walk upright in the world when you got oppression on your shoulders every day? Needless to say, the conversation in that room left me just in awe. And I think that was the last straw. Because while we were sitting in that room and the conversation were dominated by the privileges of van life, I had some friends being handcuffed by police for van lifing while black. And that's the thing. If we're not actively working to create a safe space for people of color, no matter what community we're in, it's just not going to happen on its own. And I feel like this is why diversified van life is so critical within the nomadic movement. Our purpose is to amplify those unique stories and voices that get drowned out by the noise. As a community, we are creating a safe space for underrepresented individuals. Because I believe that people are inspired to take action when they see and hear others who look and sound like them. Suddenly, things feel less out of reach. And I think that's why it's so important for us to shift that narrative. I feel like that's where we can create real change. Absolutely. How did it feel when you first started Diversify Van Life? Because that did accompany, from at least my experience as someone who was like 
watching it unfold over social media, it coincided with a lot of the content that you were putting out online and the stories that you were sharing and your perspective. And there were some other people who were also coming forward saying, I have this experience too, and I need to share this with the road travel community. And Diversify Van Life like came in around that same time. That feels like it was a lot going on at one time. Like, how? What was that experience like for you? Oh, well, let me just say I didn't get any sleep for a very long time. It was a lot and it was lonely. (laughs) But when I started seeing other members in the community, like come forward and started sharing their experiences, you know, I started feeling like, okay, this is right. You know, I'm doing the right thing. I'm speaking up. I am putting this out into the world. Um, It was scary, to be honest with you. The backlash was painful at times but you know I just trusted my instinct my my heart was heavy I had to yeah well and it's been personally it's been relieving for me to see more people rally around the diversified van life movement and there's a long way to go but to know that there is a community that has formed in a very short period of time around this and people who want to continue listening to these conversations and being an active role in dismantling a lot of the things that make van life very exclusive and unsafe is really really heartening to me in all this but I, I guess I'm curious you know a lot of folks know diversify van life as the social media handle. What has Diversify Van Life been doing within the community? What has that taken well, shape as for Diversify you? Diversify Van Life started, it's been a year now, actually. We've seen a huge increase of the number of uh, people of color, LGBTQ+, among others, taking up space and speaking up. We've seen the creation of like community organizations like Van Life Pride, events like Black Nomads Meet, and we're beginning to see ourselves and our stories represented in the mainstream media. And it's a beautiful thing because I'm actively seeing my community grow and take up space. We've been collaborating as a community to create resources specific to our unique needs to help us thrive as nomads. You know, I feel like we're able to empower each other and inspire more BIPOCs and others to explore this lifestyle. And in addition to that, Diversify Van Life recently hosted a series of virtual events. The first was an anti-racism workshop, which drew almost 200 nomads from all walks of life. Everyone showed up to the conversation with open hearts, open minds. And, you know, for me, that speaks volumes to where we're going as a community as a whole. I want to see Diversify Van Life continue to shift that narrative and create ways to make our lifestyle accessible to more people who want to pursue it. Do you have any dreams for what would be like a next step or how you'd see Diversify Van Life grow like in your biggest dreams? Oh, wow. (laughs) I have so many dreams for Diversify Van Life. But, you know, I want to continue hosting virtual events. And as a community, we work together to continue providing the resources that we need to continue to thrive, to create a safe space. And I mean, when it's safe to do so, I would really love for us to be able to host live events and bring the community together in person. But I guess like my greater hope is that Diversify Van Life can continue to be a hub, a safe space where we can mobilize our community around social and environmental issues meeting at all intersections. 
that's beautiful. That gave me chills because I would love to see that too. (laughs) And I've heard from other members of the community on the women on the road side, that same sentiment about diversified van life. We've had a couple of recent interviewees who have said, you know, I've been making more connections online with BIPOC and folks in the queer community through diversified van life. And I would love to, when it's safe again, see us all find a way to meet up and have a diversified van life meet up. Wouldn't that be so cool? I'm like, it would be. Oh, that would be so, I mean, I would cry. (laughs) That would be so beautiful. It'll happen someday. So in that, you know, obviously with you and Anais as your co-host coming in to do Nomads at the Intersections, which we'll talk about more in a minute, there's been something really cool where both the Diversified Van Life community and the Women on the Road community have this touch point now in a very tangible way. And so I'm curious to know, How can the women on the road community become more engaged and in support of the efforts that Diversify Van Life is doing and will continue to do? That's a good question. The women on the road community is a really powerful force within the pneumatic community. Our voices carry so much weight and the support of the community can go really far. I think that some of the things that the women on the road community can do to be more engaged with Diversify Van Life is check us out on social media, read our blogs. We just launched our website. Tune into the podcast, Nomads at the Intersections, and share it with others. Attend our events and participate in the conversation. Support BIPOC women, center our stories, amplify our work. I wish that I had more support from the female nomadic community when I was first starting out. To be honest, it was really lonely for me, and sometimes it felt like maybe I wasn't welcome. So I feel like that can go a long way. Supporting the BIPOC and LGBTQ plus creatives by their art, hire their services, support their businesses. Overall, I feel like being more intentional in the efforts to foster and sustain an equitable and inclusive community. That was really well said. And I think that intentionality is something that the women on the road community as a whole talks about a lot. And I think that the focus just hasn't always been on how can we make sure that we're doing everything we can to create an environment and a community that's more equitable and inclusive and be intentional around that. So everything that you said was just so spot on. So, yeah, let's talk about Nomads at the Intersection since we have you on this episode because you're going to be hosting the show the next time a full episode airs. It'll be called Nomads at the Intersections and you'll be hosting and Anais Monique will be co-hosting. So what's the direction of the show moving forward as Nomads at the Intersections? Oh, man, I'm so excited. I'm really, really excited about this. With Nomads at the Intersections, we hope to, you know, further the work that we've been doing with Diversify Van Life, bridging the gap and cultivating an inclusive and safe space within the road travel community. Anais and I will continue shifting the narrative and highlighting the diversity of this movement. So we'll be amplifying the voices and diving into experiences and unique stories of underrepresented people at every intersection in the community. So each episode will feature an engaging discussion with my co-host Anais and I, as well as authentic interviews with individuals who often unseen and unheard make this community really great. Yeah, 
I'm excited to listen to both of you. And it'll be great too to also change the format of the show to be able to give folks more insight into how you and Anais are thinking and feeling or things that you want to talk about that's really important. And then also to like include other folks and center their narratives as well. To me, feels like a really beautiful blend of just conversations that need to be had and things that folks need to hear and be thinking about. And I can say as someone who's honored to get to work behind the scenes right now, I've gotten a peek at some of the music that you both have been thinking about for the show. And I'm also really excited for that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can't take too much credit. You know, Anais has been on top of the music. She's just been so pumped about it. And it makes me so pumped. You know, we were both jamming to some of the music she picked the other day. It was so much fun. It's just been such a fun process to see this come together in general. That's great. When you can jam out to your own podcast music, I think that that's a really good sign that you should use it. (laughs) Totally. I feel like this is probably a question that folks are going to ask because we are changing the name of the show as you both reboot this and take it over. And so what made you all choose the name Nomads at the Intersections? Well, my partner Dustin and I were doing a brainstorm sesh one day while we were driving down the interstate. And we were talking about the purpose of the podcast, because my goal is to amplify the voices and stories of individuals at every intersection of the nomadic movement, thus nomads at the intersection. It was just kind of one of those things, like when we said it out loud, it was, aha, you know, and it was just like, okay, this is it. I mean, it took one, just one brainstorm session. It, It just felt right in my body. So that's how nomads at the intersections were born. I love business meetings that happen on the road. (laughs) When it comes to hosting, you're going to be hosting the show and Anais will be your co-host. So how do you feel about assuming this role as host of Nomads at the Intersections? Wow. (laughs) To be honest, it's something that I've been thinking about quite a lot over the past year. And it's something that I knew I would want to do eventually, have a podcast In fact, Anais and I were chatting a few months ago. I think I mentioned this to you about the idea of starting a podcast, but neither of us knew it was going to happen so soon. 2020 has been quite a year filled with surprises, some good and bad, and this was certainly an unexpected surprise. Though I have to admit, I get nervous every time I'm on air. I mean, I'm nervous right now. (laughs) I'm hoping that goes away after a few episodes, but we'll see. Ultimately, I see this as an opportunity to grow personally while continuing my mission to promote representation. Absolutely. I can tell you that from my experience, that feeling doesn't really go away. Mm. But I'll put it this way. If I'm not nervous a little bit before an interview, then I'm not thinking about it enough in my mind because, you know, we hold people's stories and their voices and it feels so uniquely personal and intimate when you have an audio capture of somebody's voice telling you something that's important to them. And I think that that should all make us a little bit nervous, right? So whether it's you putting your voice out there or, you know, the responsibility of being there with somebody else's voice, I think there's every good reason to be a little bit nervous. But maybe I'll hope for you to be a little bit less nervous over time, but I don't think it'll ever go away. (laughs) Well, I appreciate the honesty. (laughs) So my last question for you is that Knowing that the next time a full episode airs on this channel that folks are tuned into now, it's going to be your voice and Anais's voice hosting, and it'll be called Nomads at the Intersection. So 
what do you want to say directly to the audience of listeners right now? You know, first of all, Laura, I want to say thank you to you for recognizing the work that myself and Diversify Van Life team are doing in this space. We're really honored to share this space that you and the Woman on the Road community have created. I started Diversify Van Life to carve out an inclusive space within the nomadic community, but I had no idea it would turn into a movement of its own, a movement that is so desperately needed. But in order for us to sustain this movement, we need allies and we need co-conspirators as well. So I hope that all of you listening will join us on this new and exciting journey. Sit tight. Naomi will be jumping into the host seat to ask me some questions after this. Everyone can benefit from tending to our mental health. And no matter where you are right now, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Thanks to their online interface, you can connect with your professional counselor by scheduling secure video and phone sessions in a safe and private online environment, meaning you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can even chat and text with your therapist, too. I tried BetterHelp at a time this year. I realized I was feeling alone and needed someone to talk to. And because access to a therapist is limited right now, going to a counselor in person just wasn't an option for me. This was all a great fit for BetterHelp. After signing up, I was connected with a licensed professional counselor and was communicating with them in less than 24 hours to chat about my struggles and goals for therapy in a confidential online setting. BetterHelp has over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who specialize in topics you might be dealing with most right now, like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, grief, and self-esteem. And you can customize your needs to get the best therapist fit for you. What's more is that you can start and stop at any time so you can focus on getting the support you truly need and when. Getting started with a counselor can feel scary, but it's really something that can help. And with BetterHelp, which takes affordability into consideration and operates on a sliding scale, you can get started today, even if you don't have an insurance plan that covers mental health services. Women on the Road listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code ROAD. To get started, go to betterhelp.com road. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love so you can start feeling better inside out. Visit betterhelp.com road and use promo code road for 10% off. We're back with Naomi, who, in taking on her role as host, had some questions for me as we both reflect on what this transition means to us and to our communities as a whole. So, Laura, this is officially the final episode of Woman on the Road podcast. After three years and over 100 episodes, how do you feel saying goodbye to this platform? Oh, that's a big question. Overall, I feel so much gratitude. I think for those who don't know my journey, I'll summarize it briefly. I mean, I don't have experience as a podcast host or an audio producer, which if you started back on episode one of Women on the Road would be glaringly obvious. (laughs) But given that, we started as Ravel Media before it was called Ravel Media and was just me, Gail, and our digital editor and and now co-founder Ravel Haley Hurst. When we started all this back in 2017 as a podcast, Gail and Haley had already been working on Women on the Road as a written interview series. So it was really an idea that drew me into the work Gail was doing, and I got to piggyback upon that and turn it into a podcast and bring people's voices in. And 
at the time, I, I was not imagining my career taking that shift and going into audio. I was really a writer and a photographer and had an office job. But what really made me want to do it was that I wanted to make more connections with other folks who were on the road who weren't men. There was just there was so much representation of men out there on the road, and that's fine. But I was going to go on the road, too, and I wanted to see more of me. Just like you said, Naomi, like seeing some of yourself is so meaningful. And, you know, back even in 2017, there wasn't a lot of that yet. It was just starting to come out the like, wow, there's people besides white men who are traveling. And so that was something that meant a lot. So as this community has grown, I've felt an immense amount of humility and gratitude in being able to be in this position that I'm in to listen to stories and build relationships with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis and as like this large tight-knit community and to get to see it all has been really, really profound. Thank you for sharing that. The Women on the Road community is definitely a powerful force within the road travel community. So we're also grateful for this space that you've created. Thanks. It's been a team effort. <laughs> <laughs> but this is not the last time we'll hear your voice on air. So you have some new and exciting endeavors ahead. So tell us what's next for you. Yeah, so... As we've been making this transition and knew that you all would be the right folks if you wanted to come on board and help us reboot this show, there was the opportunity for something new to start maybe. And so I have for a long time, and I don't share about it much online because I'm usually talking about road travel, <laughs> but I've had a really high passion in sexual health and sexual health advocacy and have done some work in the past in that arena. And it's something I've always wanted to get back to more of. And I, for a long time, like the past year, was dreaming about the potential for another podcast to happen someday that touched on sexual health and gender and love through the lens of the outdoors, because I hadn't seen much of that within our own community. And it's a very real thing. Like, that's what a lot of people want to talk about when they get face to face. And so I'm really, really fortunate that our entire team was completely on board when I pitched them on this new idea for a podcast called Sex Outside. And Sex Outside is going to air starting in February of 2021. And it's a podcast that is going to look into all the nooks and crannies of sex, gender, and love and how that connects to the natural world around us. So there's a lot to unpack there from sexual health in the outdoors and how sometimes that isn't taken care of as well as we would if we're not outside to relationships and managing that from a long distance perspective or if you're in the guiding industry. There's also an entire aspect on sustainability when it comes to everything from sexual health to sex toys to as we've recently been seeing in the news about gender reveals. There's a lot of ways that sex and the outdoors intersect. So I'm really excited to unpack that with everybody. Wow. I, for one, am extremely excited about this podcast. And what a fantastic name. I will definitely be tuning into that. So my next question for you, which I'm really curious to hear the answer to, since the Women on the Road community has grown significantly over the past three years, you've been hosting this podcast. I mean, you have a thriving Facebook and Instagram community, you've hosted events and more. If there was one thing you could do differently, what would it be? Uh, I thought about this for a while, and my gut reaction answer was actually the one that upon reflection, I think was the right one. And in summary, 
I would make sure I was being more specific. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've always had a huge focus on telling folks in this community that any vehicle counts. It doesn't matter what car you drive. And all that is true. And we said that specifically at the start because we knew that when Women on the Road started, it was really tacking on to the van life community that was already there, which at the time, especially in 2017, was extremely prescriptive of you have a you know vintage van of some kind, a vintage pop-up camper, or you have a Sprinter van. You look this way. You have this much money. This is how all this works. And so we were really specific about the vehicle that you drove not being, you know, important and just getting out there. But where we weren't specific at all was that it not only doesn't matter what vehicle you drive, but that your race, ethnicity, ability, age, sexuality, and socioeconomic status doesn't preclude you from being a part of this community. And I would make sure that as we were building the community, that that would be a primary focus. And that would be the message I'd be driving home, not just what vehicle you're sitting in, but also who you are and who you're inviting. You know, with women on the road, I think, I guess with my education, I focused a lot on feminist values, and I didn't learn until recent years just how dangerous white feminism can be, which Jamie Sirbel and I did an entire episode on where we unpacked some of that as two white women wanting to talk about it. But I think the biggest thing in that is that that still can be very apparent in the women on the road community where being a woman or identifying as not a man isn't enough of a focus. Like we really need to be drawing more people in. Our goal with this community was to increase representation that we weren't seeing from a gender perspective, but that doesn't mean that we weren't trying to exclude people from other perspectives too. And that's never been anybody's intention in this community. But what I hear a lot of is, well, this has been a space for all women. And the reality is that it hasn't been. Um, We've wanted it to be, but it hasn't been. Yeah. Representation is important, and we each have our own unique experiences. So, yeah, I appreciate you you sharing this. Yeah, thank you for asking. I think that it's important for folks to know that this community is amazing. And like pretty much every community out there, it has a long way to go, and that's okay. I think seeing everyone come together and want to do the work together is what's important. Yeah, and I'm very hopeful of that. Me too. What's the most important thing you've learned hosting the Women on the Road podcast? And this can be personal, professional, or community-based. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that when I started the Women on the Road podcast with Gail, it really was also the start of my podcast career. And so I've always been interested in listening to people. Um, like, fun fact, I was voted best listener in high school, which, <laughs> wow. which is so random. So listening has always been really important to me. But what I never really got to experience was the unique position that a podcast host is in. It's more than about listening to someone's story and absorbing the information. It's even more than being there as an active listener and using empathy It's also about knowing that when you sit there as a podcast host, you're not just representing one listener. You are representing a lot of people listening because the person on the other end of the phone call or the microphone or however you're talking to them knows, even subconsciously, that you're listening to them intently and that other people are also going to listen to them intently. 
And I think that that has unlocked a lot of conversations and purpose behind people's voices that I've never experienced before in almost any other type of conversation. And so that's something that I've really seen and has validated for me that I guess is a general life lesson. When people know that they're being listened to, just some amazing magic actually happens where people, they want to talk, they want to share, they want to be vulnerable. And it might not be that they want to share everything. No one is entitled to anybody's story. But I think that the stories that people do have that they're wanting to share come out with so much more heart and conviction when they know that they're being listened to. And there are very few roles that people for sure know that they're being listened to than if they're sitting in front of a microphone knowing that people will be hearing their voice through some earbuds. Wow, that's really powerful. And I'm taking that to heart. (laughs) I mean, every time that I've gotten to communicate with you, Naomi, you show up with such amazing empathy and the space that you hold for people is really, really profound. And it like I can feel it like it's visceral to me. So I feel with so much confidence that like that's going to be something that I think will just be a part of whatever it is that you create with this show. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I hope so. (laughs) I'm inspired, for sure. (laughs) So with all that being said, do you feel like you've accomplished what you set out to when you started Women on the Road podcast? Oh, my goodness. Well, when I first started the Women on the Road podcast and I had pitched it to Gail and she said we should do it, I was pretty surprised. And I talked myself into doing it by saying, well, I would like to make some more friends who like to do the things that I do anyway. So this is a great opportunity to, at a minimum, make some friends. So on a very purely personal level, I can say I feel so thankful for the community that not only now I've been able to surround myself with, but that other people have been able to surround themselves with and to also like pass that on. So from that like interpersonal like community building, I feel like it's really served such a great purpose and will continue to do so and expand even. I think from like women on the road as like a platform and what Gail and Haley built and then I was able to build upon as a podcast host with the show. Like I said, when Women on the Road started and like when Gail started it like back in I believe it was 2014, It started because there wasn't a lot of representation of anybody else except for white men traveling on the road. And I think that in that, Women on the Road has played a part in helping to expand some of that narrative, um, knowing that there's many, many more directions to go and much, much further to go with all of that. But I'm happy to know that Women on the Road, I think, has played a small piece in that. And so I think that for the purpose that we've wanted to see and see more people out on the road and feeling like they can do it because they've seen other people too that they resonate with and they identify with that yeah it's been great and I'm so happy to see the community and that purpose continue to evolve. Mm, Beautiful. As an experienced podcaster do you have any tips for Anais and myself as new hosts in this space? (laughs) I do. And I'm only laughing because I feel like, firstly, you two are just going to do so great. So I'm hesitant to give you like any advice because I'm (laughs) self-taught and I figured it out. And I know that you two are going to absolutely like figure it out in your own way. And it's going to be so great. That said, the one thing that came to mind for me that anyone who's speaking in front of people or is really using their voice as a medium in some way that is good information to share, just something to keep in mind 
and probably really relevant to where we're at right now with 2020, where everything is for everyone on different levels in different ways, like can be really emotionally draining, is that your voice is so powerful. And it's also a reflection of where you're at right now. And as you continue to sit in front of a microphone or hear your voice, it's more than just I've had a lot of people say, like, did you ever get used to the sound of your voice? It actually didn't take that long. But what I did start also hearing was the inflection and the very nuanced subtleties of like, oh, I don't sound very great today. Like, I sound like I'm in a bad way today. What's going on? And sometimes the voice would be extremely telling of like, where am I at emotionally? And trying to give yourself space to say like, do I need to push through that right now? Like, do I have to sit behind a microphone right now? Do I have to take this interview today? Or am I not going to show up the best today? And just continuing to be really honest with yourself about like, how can I hold the space for understanding that on the one hand, audio is a reflection just like a photo. It's a reflection of where we're at right now. It's just a snapshot in time of where we're at right now. But also knowing that listening to people's voices does really make an impact on other people too. And so how can you and I and anyone in this position sit down and take the best care of themselves possible so that when you do show up, you're able to be there and hold space for others too? Oh, wow. I appreciate that. And I will definitely take, you know, this advice to heart, and I'm pretty sure NAs will as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. Do you have any final words you would like to say to your listeners? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, I first just want to thank everybody. Like I said, I'm completely self-taught in audio. And so in starting this new show with Sex Outside, it's been really interesting and eye-opening to start it with more experience where when I first got off the ground with a lot of help from Gail, it was really driven by passion and no expertise to say the least. So the fact that there are folks who are listening to this episode that have listened to all or almost all the episodes or who have started from the beginning, whether it was when we first launched or started from the beginning because they were on a really long road trip and thought it would be interesting to listen to. Thanks for sticking with me and with us and being here in community and being such an active participant in any way that you were. I really appreciate that like so much it's meant a lot to me and also this community is not going anywhere like we're all still here and I think that if anything this is going to be something that makes our community so much richer and deeper and we're able to have more meaningful conversations with each other and actually invite people in and include everybody in the space that all of us who have been here for so long as the Women on the Road community have held so dear. And so I'm really excited to see that evolution continue to take place. And I guess the last thing I'll say is in community, there are so many different roles we fill and leader is not the most important role. It's a role. And I think that there are a lot of different ways that people really need to show up in community that are equally valuable to that of a leader. So I've been really humbled to be able to sit behind this microphone and to help shape stories and listen to everybody during an interview. 
but I'm also equally humbled and excited to be there as a listener and a participant in this community and to be there as an avid supporter of everything that Nomads at the Intersections turns out to be and everything that Naomi and Anais continue to do. Listening is just as important as speaking and sometimes it's more so. So I'm excited to be there for all of that and I appreciate you taking over this space, Naomi. It means the world to me and I'm excited to see what happens next. Thank you, Laura. And thank you everyone for joining us for this final episode of Women on the Road. Keep subscribing right here for Diversify Van Life Presents Nomads at the Intersections, a Ravel Media production, premiering next month on Friday, October 23rd. Follow us on Instagram at diversify.vanlife for updates. And stay tuned for the official Nomads at the Intersections trailer coming soon.